I've been attending a, a group that's talking about how to monetize just connections. That doesn't take any money to go and do no. that. You know, you don't have to take a big swing. You don't have to take, you know, $100,000, a million dollars and just invest. Just do a small thing. Welcome to Nursing Real Wealth, where the heartbeat of real estate meets the pulse of financial education. It's my pleasure to introduce our special guest today, Adam Smith, a real estate investor whose journey has been ignited by his dedication to family, financial education, and a thirst for growth. I had the privilege of crossing paths with Adam through our shared mentorship with Pace Morby. A devoted father and uh, a husband and father of three, Adam's unwavering passion for instilling financial literacy in the younger generation is a driving force in his journey. In 2020, he embarked on a real estate journey by adventuring into a single family home investment, which was a stepping stone that set his trajectory for success. Since then, he's expanded his portfolio with an impressive four additional properties, showcasing his commitment to learning and evolving in the real estate realm. Adam, it's so good to have you on the inaugural episode of Nursing Real Wealth. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to have you. Tell us a little bit about like your background, um, you know, as far as your work background goes and kind of what led you down down the path to pursuing real estate investing. Yeah, uh, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, I started uh, working for the federal government um, about 20 years ago and was doing a lot of financial analysis. Uh, my job take, took me down the path of, of learning financial analysis, learning risk management, those types of things. And then I guess it was about 2019, 2020, I started thinking about, well, do I want to continue to do this? And I started to get this itch for something a little bit different. And when I started thinking about it, um, I was actually talking to a few different people and they led me down the path of the financial independence, retire early movement and started reading in and uh, listening to different podcasts. And the biggest one was getting into bigger pockets. And I know a lot of people talk about getting into that one and really understanding uh, what what is real estate investing? How does it fit? into uh the in your your path and so i started just going down that path i mean again it's kind of my normal uh you know financial analysis and and really understanding those different pieces so i i decided to like you said i in 2020 i took the plunge and bought my first one and come to find out uh it's not just what's in the numbers, but there's a lot of other things that come along with it. And so, um, my wife and I, we, we started, uh, investing in other properties too, and learning along the way and really just getting an idea of, of how do we generate income from passive investments and how do we make our money, you know, work and, and for itself. And that's really where we started that path. I guess the next question is really, you know, what landed you specifically on real estate? I feel like, you know, in my journey, I looked at a lot of different things. You know, I started with looking at stock market and I was like, uh, you know, trying to figure out how you, how you go and invest in the stock market. How do you go and uh, time things? I had a friend who 
um, really loves the stock market and has a lot of charts and things like that. And was teaching me all about that. And I just found it really confusing. Um, what about you? Did you kind of look down that pathway initially when you, you know, cause financial freedom is kind of a big term. It, it could encompass a lot of different things. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is just kind of getting an idea of what, what sparks you. Um, and I, I did think about, about stock market, I've got my uh, retirement funds in a lot of stocks. The one thing that I really wanted to do was started to look at how do I replace my current income? How do I generate that kind of income starting now? And real estate's one of the best ways to do it. I mean, you can, with the stock, with the stock market, you, you don't have any control. You've got to wait for things to get you know, get higher and move and, and move in that direction. You got to wait for something else. With real estate, you can do a lot of different things. You know, you buy in a good area, you got regular depreciate or appreciation. You've got depreciation that happens. You can force appreciation by rehabbing properties. And so, when I started thinking about it, it was like you can. There's a lot more ways that I can control increasing the wealth that I have and the ways to help, help my family. I heard it put this way one time, you know, if you go and own, you know, a hundred shares of uh, say Google, how many shares of Google do you own? Well, you own a hundred shares, period. It doesn't matter how much it costs you. That's it. That's all you own with a piece of real estate. You could go and put a $20,000 down payment and own a, you know, $200,000 piece of real estate that, you know, fluctuates in its value, but you didn't have to, put out the total amount to go and own uh, the amount of real estate you own. So, um, you know, there's a lot of flexibility in real estate that doesn't exist in other areas. So, yeah, no, that's really good. Um, who, who, who was kind of your um, mentor or who taught you finances? Was this a, a family member or was this somebody outside of your family? Was the, what was kind of the, the influence there? So my parents have always been fairly frugal. Um, they always looked for ways to to provide a, a good family of uh, support for for myself. Uh, and I've got two other brothers, and you know we were always fortunate that they always worked to help provide for us. And so I got a my basic of it, education and finance was from them, and to understand. You know, you have a certain amount of income and you can only spend so much. Otherwise, you start to, you know, cause cause yourself some problems. And so that was really the, the place that really it started is with them. Were there any other um, informative, uh, you know, individuals in your life that kind of helped you shape? You know, like I would say my parents were excellent with budgeting, but didn't ever think about investing. Um, they were, they were more in, in line with just saving. Uh, we didn't have a, we came from poverty, so there was really not much income. So it was just about stretching what you got to go as far as you could, but it wasn't about growing that, um, income into something additional. Who, who kind of informed that? Was that, was that also your parents? You know, my parents did some of that, but most of it really kind of came from, uh, I think just my normal curiosity, uh, you know, as I went through school, I started to see that there were other ways than just saving. 
Uh, and so really I started to kind of think about it. I was, a, I did finance when I went through college. And so that, that, that mentality has always been there. I've always been looking for ways. How do you use your money to get a return? And, um, so I was always looking for how do you make the, the, the valuable dollars that you have, how do you make them grow in a in a sound manner, something, something where you take some risk, but you also mitigate the risk at the same time. So I started really, you know, started talking to a few people and I've got some friends that, that, um, got into real estate and I started talking to them, especially as I got into like the bigger pockets, I jumped into the forums and I started talking to the people there and I started going to local meetups around here as well. And so you just, you start getting that energy around it and you start to go, okay, this is what I want to start doing. This is, this to me is fun. And how do you do, how do you do that? Um, so it, it really just, it was a curiosity that just continued to turn into finding people that are like-minded and then to see what they went through and started having those just fun conversations. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to be said of having community around you when you're trying to go into a territory that a lot of other folks, maybe they don't resonate with it or whatever, or they've never really thought about it. Um, you can meet up with a lot of different types of advice. Um, when you're encountering, uh, when, when you're exploring investing, uh, possibilities, um, from, from friends and, and dear people, you know, they just may have a different outlook on that than, than folks who are actively in it and doing it. So that's, that's excellent. From your point of view, what are some of the top three strategies or uh, tactics that you use to manage your money? Uh, well, I mean, the first one you talked about is a budget. I mean, unless you know what you have coming in and what you're spending on, you really, you don't know what you can do with your, with your money. Um, and I think just setting the groundwork of making sure that you've got to, you know, you understand what is coming in and what you're spending relieves a little bit of tension for you to be able to think about other things. I think the biggest thing is once you've, once you kind of figure those things out, um, you know, thinking about what do you, what do you want to do? And that if you're, you know, by yourself, you know, that's just understanding what do you want? How do you want to use your time? Um, you know, if you're with a significant other, you know, having those kinds of conversations, I think is really important. Um, that's where, you know, my wife and I, luckily, both of us agree that, you know, real estate was, was a place to kind of manage, um, that wealth generating aspect. And then just having a good, a good foundation and learning specific things that you're going to be doing and getting a good feel for those things before you jump into something else. I think, you know, myself, I love to to think about all kinds of different things. And, and I try all kinds of different strategies. And I think, you know, listening to people like Brandon Turner talk about learn one thing, do it really well, become really good at that. And then it kind of takes care of itself. And then you can learn something else. There's always the time to learn a little bit of something else after the fact. 
that's a good piece of advice. I, I find myself, I'm a little scattered. I like so many different things in life, you know, I'm right there with uh, you. it's easy to get really, really sidetracked and end up, you know, trying this and I'll try this, you know, you know, there's a, and especially when you're in a mentorship, if they offer lots of different avenues, like Pace Morby's mentorship, mm-hmm. we got wholesaling, you've got uh, p- private money lending, you've got subject to, you've got create, you know, all these different uh, types of creative finance. You've got even, Oh, it's fun. You can go and invest in multifamily you've Got all these different <laughs> options and your, your, your mind sort of goes and um, you can really get sidetracked and get kind of, what does he call that shiny object syndrome mm-hmm, um, yeah. where you, where you get really sidetracked and get onto something that, that really takes you off of what you're, you're maybe starting to formulate a, a good process for doing. So yeah, that's excellent. If, if you were, if you had an opportunity to go and talk to yourself um, at, I don't know, 15 years old, what would you tell yourself then um, based on what you, you've learned uh, to date, go just go find somebody and ask them how do I invest in real estate, and just start from the very beginning. Learning, I mean, there's so many different strategies. There's so many different ways to get into it. Like you said, there's that you can. I mean, just Pace has so many different ways of doing things. But even Pace will say it's not necessarily the only way to do things. Uh, he just knows how to really do creative finance really well. Yeah, um, yeah. but there's so many, so many other ways, but yeah, I would, I would definitely be jumping in from the, from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any, is there any pathway like that you would recommend somebody take, um, at say 15, they they've got their first job. Um, let's say they, they kind of struggle to save money. Is there a pathway that you might recommend them to go and take that, you know, would help them to be able to save the kind of money they would need to save so they can start to invest in that future for themselves. Oh. Any, any, any particular pathways that you would recommend? I mean, you could think about so many different ones. I guess if I was, if I was going to sit there and tell someone who's, who doesn't understand basic finance, go out and just look around in YouTube, just do some quick Google search, you know, YouTube searches and and get an idea of just, Hey, what is some basic finance that I need to understand? What, what does a budget look like? And just start there, just figure that out first. And then, okay, now that I've kind of got an idea of that, okay, now what's, what's next, you know, what, what's a bank account? How does, how does a bank work? Um, Yeah. So it's, it's, it's fascinating. What, is out there now in YouTube than there was when I was growing up. Yeah. You know, obviously, uh, Pace has this, uh, mostly hate relationship with Dave Ramsey. I think that Dave Ramsey is a phenomenal starting point. If you need to figure out how to budget, um, that's, he's honestly where I learned how to go and budget, just know how much is coming in and to the penny budget out, including your savings. It's part of your budget it becomes an expense. Your savings becomes an Mm -hmm. expense for you. And every cent of of what you got paid needs to be spent, but but a portion of it needs to be spent on savings. And I love that concept. That's about as far as it goes for me though, for Dave Ramsey. And I really have to, you know, (laughs) ignore some of the additional advice that he ends up giving that, um, 
kind of takes you really just down a traditional path that, that I don't think really works uh, in, in this day and age. Um, you start yeah. to look at inflation, you know, um, we're, we're sitting at, if you went and looked at, um, you know, the, the wages that an individual made during the peak of the, of the Great Depression, and you look at the wages that we make today, they're not inflation adjusted at all. No, we're significantly no, below what somebody would have made during the, the peak of the Great Depression. I think what we have different, though, is we have a lot more bad debt to go and make it buy, right? We have, we have a lot of fake money to go and buy the thing that you want. So I think people in the Great Depression probably lived more on cash back then, and that's their only survival tactic was that they, you know, they didn't get into maybe bad debt. Um, mm-hmm. On that note, you know, what, what from your perspective, how would you categorize good versus bad debt? Um, I think in the real estate investing world, we definitely have some ideas on what's good and what's bad. Yeah. I mean, I know that's a, that's a, can be a loaded question, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, when you think, when you think about um, good versus bad, the way that I look at it is what am I, what am I spending it on and what is it for? And so if I'm going to do a mortgage, that's traditionally the, you know, what people think about is good debt. It's not necessarily bad to take a mortgage out, but you need to know what is your payment? How much is that going to stretch you with other things? Is it going to force you into bad debt, credit cards, uh, you know, debt consolidation loans, you know, even, even, you know, home equity loans. Sometimes people talk about that. That's easy enough. Well, they're using that debt to go finance their vacation or their, or their boat or things that, you know, ultimately are draining your, your, your account. They're not getting you good things. Um, you know, when it comes to real estate, you know, you think about debt, if you think about it smart, you're going to buy a property, Hopefully it will cash flow. That's what I, uh, I always look for. I know some people look at appreciation, but I look at cash flow because as long as the cash flows, it will continue to pay the mortgage. Somebody else is going to pay it down. And that's that to me is good debt because you're using it in the fashion that it's meant to be used, not to go and, you know, you know, buy the nicest, you know, brand new car um, and, and, you know, go to the, you know, a nice, uh, all-inclusive resort or something like that uh, with that you know if you don't have the money do something taking your family to disneyland just put it on the house tab the home equity Mm -hmm. line yes bad idea i don't know i don't know if disney would roll over in his grave or not he might like the fact that you spend (laughs) the money on it but who knows who knows right um all righty and then you know what what tools do you like to use to go and manage your finances? Um, I mean, obviously we've talked about a budget. Yeah. Is there a specific kind of way you like to structure that or what? Yeah. So, so I've got a couple of, uh, of, of programs that I use that automatically feeds in from different uh, accounts that I have. So I use, um, I know there's different ones out there. People talk about like mint and there's uh, personal capitals out there. I know that's a, a big one. I think empower just bought them. Um, right now they're using them, but a way for me to kind of automatically pull in the transactions and, and to categorize what am I spending on 
where, where are those things at? Uh, that's really probably my biggest uh, tool that I use. And then uh, from a from real estate side, I mean, there are similar t- tools that are out there as well, just to kind of make my uh, make it easier than having to just use a spreadsheet. Yeah, but yeah, okay. it's still not that bad to use spreadsheet too. I mean, that's uh, you can use that as well. Yeah, yeah. I know for my personal side of things, I still use a spreadsheet, which I know feels a little archaic, but it's kind of nice because I, I put it in there. Um, and you know, as I add an expense to a category, it just it zeros it out. And then it's like, nope, nope, you're not spending anything else on that category this <laughs> month. We're going to, we're going to cap that off. And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll prioritize our expenses from that perspective. I know for my real estate, I just basically track the, the, uh, ins and outs of the, of it through QuickBooks. That's my primary, primary method, right? At the mm-hmm. moment. But yeah. Uh, do you, what do you use primarily for your real estate tracking? Uh, you have, right now, you, you have some, some short-term rentals, right? Yeah. We, we just okay. use, you use the same software. I mean, Stess is out there. It's, it's one that's, that's a bit, that's available out there. We've talked about moving over to QuickBooks and we may end up uh, doing that just because we're talking about uh, the possibility of getting a bookkeeper to help kind of take care of that because there's a little bit more that's going on and uh, I've got other things that I would uh, like to get into. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, if, if you were to recommend any any books or, or formative podcasts that, that you like to listen to, what, what are uh, a few that you would recommend? Uh, I mean, just recently I got in and, uh, and read rocket fuel. Uh, that is a fantastic book. I mean, it just, it gives you an idea of where you're at with, uh, structuring an organization, you know, as you grow, you know, a lot of people are not going to be able to do it all by themselves. And so you got to have to understand how, how do you work? Are you kind of the visionary, you know, the person who kind of thinks about things? Are you the integrator who can kind of work uh, and, and develop the systems and the processes? Um, those two got to work together. And that book's really good about doing that. Um, when it comes to podcasts, I mean, I've, I started with with uh, Choose FI, uh, Bigger Pockets was was another one that was, that was a big one. Um, and then uh, Coach Carson, I think, his podcast, I think, rings really true to me. He talks about kind of that small and mighty investor. And I think that's kind of where I'm at, too, because I, I think about, you know, I want to grow and I want to provide for my family. Um, but at some point, that probably is enough for me. It allows me to do other things. And I think that's uh, it's a fantastic uh podcast to just think about and have him just kind of break little things down and why he does, why he's done what he's done. And, um, I really like, I really like the list of that one. What, what was the name of that one again? Coach Carson. Coach Carson. Awesome. I will say this, you know, when I, when I, um, listen to a lot of real estate investors, you often hear the good stories, right? So you hear what went really well. You hear how amazing this deal is. I appreciate the fact that Pace has expressed a number of times what he's lost in real estate, which happens sometimes, um, not very often, but it happens sometimes when you when you run a deal maybe the wrong way or whatever. Um, what what successes or failures have you experienced in your journey? And then you know what 
um, lessons would you say you kind of learned from there? What, what was your sort of your pivot point um, oh. from those circumstances? Any? <laughs> oh, um, I would say probably my, the, the worst one that's happened to me so far, and I'll say so far because it's going to happen again uh, or something's going to happen like that again. We got into a deal and uh, the rehab was was going to be pretty extensive um, to begin with. We kind of budgeted out a certain amount. And as we got in farther and farther, as we started, uh, you know, open up a little wall and then you noticed, well, that outside wall, it's about to fall in. Um, and so just we, we basically got to the point where we, we ended up actually doubling our rehab costs. Uh, I was hoping that when I refinance, I'd get a little bit of money back out and I ended up having to put a little bit of money into the deal uh, to keep it afloat. Um, it's one that I still have on on the books, I'm still holding on to because, you know, it still looks like a little cash flow, but I'm kind of, that's one that I kind of keep looking at like, okay, is it is it one that might need to go uh, at some point? I think that's you. You just learn so much from, you know, you think it are failures, but it's really just learning on the job. What, what would you say from that one? Uh, you know, was that was that primarily because of the rehab budget, or was it also a mix of like um, change in 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 you know um, the market value of it? Any anything like that? What 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 kind oh. of was the main driver there? Do you think? I would say the rehab budget was probably too low. We should have probably known that it was going to be at least a little bit more expensive, um, putting in a little bit more contingencies into it. Um, you know, you can always have too much, uh, but sometimes that makes the deal. You make you not even do the deal uh, if you if you budget too much uh, on that. So I think for us, it was just we didn't budget enough, and I don't think that I talked to the contractor well enough prior to to get the scope of work um i think he knew something was going to happen but he didn't we just didn't talk about it and kind of went into it uh, unfortunately until until you're actually in it and pulling like i said pulling those those walls down you don't know sometimes what's behind those walls so to a new to a new fix and flipper you would you'd recommend at least you know um pump those those budgets up a little bit higher um mm -hmm and make sure that you're, you're really covering your bases when it comes to budget, your projections there. Yeah. Take, you know, if you get a contractor out there, add, you know, 15, 20% at least just to kind of get yourself. Yeah. Okay. Do you feel comfortable so, with that number? So don't just rely on your wholesalers projection of what your renovation cost is going to be. <laughs> it's a <Yeah>. great deal. <laughs> it always Absolutely. is. <laughs> it's a great deal. Yeah. What's what do you say your trajectory is looking like over the next five years? What what would you say you're looking to your course of action in real estate or your primary investment strategies that you're kind of looking at? Yeah, so I think we're going to be looking probably at some small multifamilies, trying to get in there. Do um, I, I'd really like the idea of of the creative finance, the pay, you know Pace Morby's got you know, the, the sub two and the, the, all the creative finance strategies that are out there, just listening to, to those, uh, to people talk about that in the mentorship is really open my eyes to that. There's not just one way to make a deal work. Uh, 
there's a lot of different ways. So I think small, small multifamilies, uh, we're probably gonna look at some, uh, some midterm rentals too, because those are, uh, have been pretty, pretty good for us uh, at this point. And then, you know, at some point, I really would like to be become more of a lender, private, private money lender, um, you know, help, especially those that are getting just started in the, in the business, help them along kind of the way I've, I've had some uh, people who've helped me as well do that. And when, when you talk private money lending, are you looking for um, the, the, um, you know, the EMD lending that we, that Pace often kind of talks about in Gator, or are you also looking at doing a lot more like the gap funding and stuff like that? Yeah. So I think at this point I'm starting to, to see there's a lot of opportunity for the gap lending. Uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of space to take that, uh, that kind of stuff on because hard money, um, other private money lenders, they want that first lien position. Um, you know, if you're, in, you're willing to take a second lien, I mean, you can get a little bit more return because you're going to take more risk. And so just finding smart ways to mitigate your risk is, is a big, it gives you an opportunity because there are some really good people out there and, and they know how to do the work and they know how to make a deal work, but they may just not have the financing to be able to make the deal work. And so, you know, you have a lead until you have, uh, you know, until you have money and then it becomes a deal <laughs> is, yeah. you know, that people talk about. I know in uh, previous conversations, you and I have talked about your desire and your kind of passion to help uh, youth with financial literacy um, and potentially even developing some course material or something along those lines to help engage with youth that are interested in this to, to get them started on the right trajectory because we really don't have great education in that realm, especially in our public schools. Um, mm -hmm. That's basically completely missed. There's no financial uh, intelligence taught in, in public school. Uh, even private school may, may miss that. So, you know, what? tell us a little bit about that journey, what, what you're kind of looking to maybe do. Yeah. So, so it's glad, I'm glad to bring it up. I mean, that, that is the piece that real estate is hoping to unlock for me. Um, so as, you know, as I look at what I was taught coming through and talking to other individuals, especially as you got into college, I mean, they just didn't know, they didn't, they didn't have the basics of, of finance. I mean, they just thought, Oh, you just, you know, Oh, I get a paycheck and then I just pay off my credit card. Well, they just made the minimum payment. They didn't understand what that what that looked like. And so it really it's not it, it's not difficult to understand the concepts that are there, but it's just finding ways to uh, break those things down into smaller chunks. Learn, you know, there's a there's a vast world of finance and you can get into a lot of crazy things but really getting people who don't have that education, getting it to them so that they can understand, okay, my, my paycheck comes in and these are the things that I need to pay for and these are the things that I'd like to do. Okay, how do I, how do I budget? How do I make that, make those, make that work? And then slowly build on that 
as they go through so that they don't get themselves in a situation where they've got credit card debt that they can't make payments on or a car payment that they can't make a payment on or they get too much of a mortgage that they can't make. Uh, I just don't want to see people go into bankruptcy. Uh, you know, there's unfortunately there's people who are looking for for people who are in financial distress and they take advantage of them. And I don't want them to get there. You know, you think about yourself going to a doctor, you know, you can wait for the doctor to tell you, you you've had a heart attack or you can start to do the things from the very beginning, you know, just go to the gym, go take a walk, eat healthier. Financial literacy is the way to, for people to eat healthier and to start to exercise and start to build the momentum that they can be in a healthy position <laughs> with their finances. That's actually a very interesting parallel. I'm a nurse. So as a nurse, you know, I always think about preventative and we really don't do a great job of preventative um, education. You know, we'll tell people to, to do a little bit of exercise for their for their general health and well-being. But in general, in 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 healthcare, we sometimes miss the opportunity. You know, insurance companies they don't go and pay for somebody to go to the gym. That would be true preventative care, right? You know, to actually mm-hmm. pay for somebody to have a gym membership to go and take care of themselves preventatively. That would be a great op- opportunity for them. Um, but. Um, you know, I think we, we kind of miss that on both fronts. We don't teach great financial education and we don't teach great, great health education up uh, on the front end of things. So that's, that's really important. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing. Um, any, any last thoughts, anything you want to go and share with folks just kind of uh, who, who might be listening? This might go out to an audience that has never thought about this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be the first time they're hearing a concept of, you know, some actual strategies for investing. I mean, we've all heard the term investing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes to some folks, that's going to be a bit of a big, scary thought. Like I have nowhere, no idea where to begin. <laughs> yeah. um, but to the person who's just now like, hmm, I wonder if I should do some investing. What would, what would be your kind of your last um, bit of advice or recommendation to them? I think taking action you know, you don't have to take a big swing. You don't have to take, you know, $100,000, a million dollars and just invest. Just do a small thing. Like you said earlier, you were talking about getting in the stock market. You can open up an account and, you know, throw a dollar in there in a week and just watch it kind of go for, you know, a couple of months and just get used to, to doing something. You can always reverse course if you start small. But if you start, that's where you learn. And I think that is the the biggest thing for all types of investing. Don't throw everything at it. Start small, take action, learn as you're going, and then continue to build on your strategy. Maybe that's not the way you want to go. You know, you may not want to go and and just do stock market. Maybe you want to do real estate. Maybe you want to buy a business. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways to invest and just by getting in, Taking action gives you the most experience you can. It might hurt. There might be some some ramifications, but you know, and otherwise you just sit on the sidelines and and unfortunately you just you just don't learn. I actually, you know, um, I've been attending a, a group that's talking about how to monetize just connections in real estate, just connecting two people that need to meet. You know, 
being that facilitator and being able to make a little bit of money in the middle. Um, and um, I met a young guy who isn't part of any mentorship programs whatsoever, 19 years old, full of energy, and he is just out there like on these real estate groups going and connecting and finding people. Oh, you need money? I know this guy over here who needs money, and he's trying to connect those two pieces so he can make a little bit of money in the middle. And um, that doesn't take any money to go and do no, that. doesn't. It just takes a little bit of time, and he's 19 years old and has an abundance of time. So instead <laughs> of spending it out, you know, being a goofball with his friends, he's he's out hustling it in his house and uh, making connections and talking with people like all day long. So um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, kudos, kudos to him. I mean, he's taking some action. Yeah, he's going to exactly. build himself a little nest egg while he's still living with his parents and uh, getting started and learning the lingo early for real estate. He'll be in a great position in like five years to go and um, go full time into real estate. So just from taking, just from taking some action and learning what he can, learning what he can for free <laughs> on YouTube. There's a ton of information. Oh my gosh, if you don't yes. know where, if you don't know, uh, you, you know, where to find free, good information, you need to look at bigger podcasts, uh, bigger, bigger pockets. Their podcast is just full of good information. Like Adam's mm -hmm. mentioned. And then the other place you can go is go to Pace Morby. Uh, Pace Morby drops hours worth of incredible free information that will yes. light your, your mind to fire with opportunities you didn't, re didn't realize existed. As we conclude this insightful conversation on the inaugural episode of Nursing Real Wealth, I'd like to extend our sincere gratitude to Adam Smith. Adam, thank you for sharing your journey, insights, and passion for financial education and real estate investing. To our viewers, Thank you for joining us today. Your support and engagement mean the world to us. We're committed to bringing you valuable discussions like this one, aimed at empowering your journey toward financial freedom and real estate success. Thank you again, Adam, and to our wonderful audience. Take care, and we look forward to having you with us on the next episode of Nursing Real Wealth.